14 to 29, which starts on um, uh, page 1012. Jesus heals the boy possessed by an impure spirit. When they came to the disciples, when they came to the other disciples, they saw a large crowd around them and the teachers of the law arguing with them. As soon as all the people saw Jesus, they were overwhelmed with wonder and ran to greet him. What are you arguing with them about? He asked. A man in the crowd answered, Teacher, I brought you my son who is possessed by a spirit that has robbed him of speech. Whenever it seizes him, it throws him to the ground. He foams at the mouth and gnashes his teeth and becomes rigid. I asked your disciples to drive out the spirit, but they could not. You unbelieving generation, Jesus replied, how long shall I stay with you? How long should I put up with you? Bring, me the, bring the boy to me. So they brought him. When the spirit saw Jesus, it immediately threw the boy into a convulsion. He fell to the ground and rolled around, foaming at the mouth. Jesus asked the boy's father, how long has he been like this? From childhood, he answered. It was often it has often thrown him into, into, a, into fire or water to kill him. But if you, can, if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. If you can, said Jesus, everything is possible for, no, for one who believes. Immediately the boy's father exclaimed, I do believe. Help me overcome my unbelief. <clears throat> when Jesus saw the crowd was running to the scene, he rebuked the in the impure spirit, you deaf and mute spirit, he said, I command you, come out of him and never enter him again. The spirit shrieked, convulsed him violently and, and came out. The boy looked as if much like a corpse that many said, he's dead. But Jesus took him by the hand, lifted him, up to, lifted him to his feet and he stood up. After Jesus had gone indoors, his disciples asked him privately, why couldn't we drive, out, drive it out? He replied, this kind can come out only by prayer. This, this is the word of the Lord. It's a great, great privilege to be able to minister the word of God to you. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, uh, just guide me in what I say. Guide our understanding as we listen. And we pray that your spirit will be at work to accomplish his purposes. In Jesus' name, amen. So today I'm going to uh, speak on that passage which was read, which deals with the uh, healing of a boy who was possessed by an evil spirit. The situation was that Jesus had just returned from the mount uh, where he had been transfigured uh, in front of three of his disciples. His... Uh, garments were blazing white. Um, Moses and Elijah were speaking with him and they heard the voice of God saying, this is my beloved son, listen to him. And it was a transforming experience for those three disciples, Peter, James and John, and uh, uh, they never forgot it. Meanwhile, uh, at the foot of the mountain, the other disciples were having a difficult time. A man had brought his son, possessed by an evil spirit, uh, with the request that the disciples cast the demon out, but they were not able to do it. This 
The boy, as we read, was greatly tormented. The spirit would seize him and throw him to the ground and he would gnash his teeth and um, the disciples were unable. The father was beside himself with worry and the disciples were on the defensive because of their inability to cast the demon out. The issues of the law were arguing with them and then Jesus appeared and he healed the boy straight away. The father said, and I think this is worth repeating, if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. If you can, Jesus replied, everything is possible to him who believes. Immediately the boy's father exclaimed, I do believe, help me overcome my unbelief. Now I think that's a significant statement. I do believe, help me overcome my unbelief. If we are desperate enough, we will believe. Because in faced with a situation like he was in, there's no alternative. Then Jesus commanded the spirit to come out and never enter him again. It says, I'll just repeat those verses, the spirit shrieked, convulsed him violently and came out. The boy looked so much like a corpse that many said, he's dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him to his feet and he stood up. Later on we read, after Jesus had gone indoors, his disciples asked him privately, why couldn't we drive it out? Jesus replied, this kind can come out only by prayer. So this is a passage about power. And I want to discuss the subject under two headings. First of all, the need for power <coughs> and the source of power. First of all, the need for power. Now, to give them their due, the disciples expected to be able to drive the demon out. And they were frustrated and disappointed and embarrassed when they couldn't because they'd done it before when Jesus sent them out on that expedition. We read in 6 verse 12, they went out and preached that people should repent. They drove out many demons and anointed many sick people with oil and healed them. They did it then, but they were unable to do it this time and they wanted to know why. Now you might think that Jesus would have been more sympathetic with their plight, perhaps put his arm around their shoulders and said, I can see you guys are finding it difficult. Thank you for trying. Thank you for being faithful. You did your best, but I'll take over now. But not a bit of it. Jesus did not respond that way. He exclaimed, you unbelieving nation, how long shall I stay with you? How long shall I put up with you? Bring the boy to me. Now that may sound a trifle harsh, but Jesus expects his people to be victorious in our encounter with Satan and with demons and evil spirits. You see, we need power because we're engaged in Christian work in spiritual warfare. See, evangelism, missionary work, is spiritual warfare. Uh, recently, we had a couple of missionary couples visiting with us and staying in our home, and they told us of examples of demon possession in Africa, where they worked, and Pakistan. In my private intercessions, I use the prayer guide Operation World, 
uh, as a means for praying for the advance of the gospel throughout the world. And uh, let me just read you a couple of entries. In the entry for Sierra Leone, it says, the unchallenged power of the occult lies behind all the greed and cruelty and also the powerlessness of the church. Many Christians have compromised in this area. Nominalism and sin are the result. Pray that these powers may be bound, the influence of secret societies broken, and that covenants made with demonic powers may be renounced. In, in Swaziland, we are asked to pray that the strongholds of witchcraft and ancestor worship, as well as the spirit of polygamy and immorality, might be broken within the church and nation. It is the men who are most bound. 70% of church members are women. In Mexico, we're asked to pray that the power of the ancient gods and spirit world may be broken in the Spanish-speaking majority, and especially in the Christo-pagan Amerindian groups. And there are lots of other similar references. Demon possession is a, a more extreme example of uh, Satan's power, but uh, we're attacked and we encounter Satan all the time. Uh, as Jesus said to uh, Peter in Luke chapter 22, <coughs> excuse me, Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift all of you as wheat, but I have prayed for you, Simon, that your faith may not fail, and when you have turned back, strengthen your brothers. Prayer is our weapon for effective resistance. When you have idolatry, you have demonic activity, and that's why Paul advised the Corinthians not to have anything to do with pagan feasts. Um, I believe that we're witnessing a greater presence and a greater infiltration of demonic activity in our own community as we move, move further away from the Christian gospel. See, when a person doesn't respond to the gospel, it's because they don't understand it. The Bible teaches that, God, that, that Satan has blinded their eyes so they cannot see their need. Now, they may be articulate, they may be sophisticated, they may be highly intelligent and cultured, but they cannot understand the gospel because their eyes are blinded, and that's why we need to pray. Remember in the parable of the sower, uh, Jesus likened the seed that fell upon the earth and the birds came and, and, and pecked it up, ate it up. He likened that to people who hear the word, but as soon as they hear it, Satan comes and take it, takes it away. So this warfare and confrontation occurs every time the gospel is preached. And it's not just a matter of educating listeners. They cannot understand the truth because their eyes are blind and uh, we need power. We need the power of the Holy Spirit to open their eyes and to convict them of sin. Now, it's interesting that uh, when the disciples were ineffective in casting the demon out, they got involved in arguments with the uh, enemies of Jesus. And uh, this is what often happens today. We can have debates about the gospel. We can have engage in apologetics and defending the gospel. And, and apologetics has its place. But what we need is power. And we can argue apologetics till the cows come home. But unless the power of God is there, what we do is ineffective. Same can be said about... I mean, apologetics has its place. I'm not saying it doesn't. But we need more than that. 
I mean, the arguments may be quite sound and, and convincing to us. But people need to be convicted of their sin by the Holy Spirit. And the same can be said for counselling. Now, counselling is a gift of the Spirit. It's a healing ministry. But if a person is possessed, they need deliverance. So today I want to uh, emphasise the importance of prayer in this spiritual conflict. When the disciples asked Jesus why they could not cast out the demon, he replied, this kind can come out only by prayer. Now, one of the most vivid illustrations I've ever read, one of the most moving stories I've ever read about the power of prayer comes from the ministry of D.L. Moody, who was a famous evangelist in the 19th century. And it's relevant to this congregation and to every congregation. Moody was a minister in the biggest congregation in Chicago, but his church was burnt down during the Great Chicago Fire in the 1870s. And so his ministry was interrupted. And while it was being rebuilt, he uh, decided he would go to the UK and hear some of the great preachers there and see what he could learn from them. He didn't plan to do any preaching himself, just to learn from others. So he heard C.H. Spurgeon at the Metropolitan Tabernacle and other ministers. But one day he went to a meeting at Exeter Hall on the Strand. And, And during this meeting, it was thrown open for anybody who wanted to say something. And so Moody felt impelled to say a few words, which he did. And amongst those who greeted him after the service was a pastor who asked him to come the next day to his church to preach morning and evening. And Moody agreed to do so. But um, when, he, when he arrived, he found the church was full, but the people were completely unresponsive to his message. They were like blocks of stone or ice. It felt as if his words were just hitting a blank wall and bouncing back and hitting him in the face. And that's, that's, that's a distressing experience for a preacher. Uh, <laughs> It's not happening today, I should say. (laughs) Uh, And he wished he hadn't promised to come back in the evening. But he had, so he came to keep his commitment. And it was the same scene. Um, People outwardly respectful, the church full, but no response until about halfway through his sermon. And he sensed a change. People seemed to be listening. Their faces became more animated. It was as if a, a wind had blown in the windows and livened the place up. And he was so impressed by this that he thought he would give an appeal. He thought, maybe there are a few people who might like to become Christians. So he gave an appeal and whole pews of people rose to their feet. And he said to the minister who was sitting by his side, what does this mean? And they said, sure, I don't know. Well, Moody said, well, I'm sure that they've misunderstood me. So he told them to sit down and he said... We're having a meeting in the basement after church and this is for only, people who, only for people who want to become Christians. You're not Christians and you want to become a Christian. It's only for you. But the aisles were, were packed as people tried to get to the venue. And uh, Moody no doubt led them in a, uh, a word of prayer and uh, explained what it meant to be a Christian. He'd planned to go to Dublin the next day by ferry, which he did, but when he arrived there, there was a telegram from the minister saying, come back, the church is packed. And Moody came back and held a mission for 10 days. And during that 10 days, 400 people were added to the church and the impact was felt by the churches round about. And um, Moody felt this was such a strain, it was such a sudden a movement of God's spirit, 
he thought there must be a cause, there must be a reason. And so with his usual thoroughness, he tried to ferret out the reason. And uh, eventually, by making inquiries, this story came to him. There was a lady in that church who became sick and her condition worsened so that she was shut in and could no longer go to church. And she began to think about her life and thought, what have I done for the Lord? And she regretted all the opportunities she's missed. And she thought, what can I do now that I'm shut in? And she thought, well, I can pray. And she thought, I, I will pray. And God led her to pray for her church. And so she did. Her sister was her contact with the outside world and every Sunday morning when her sister came home today, she'd ask, anything different about church today? No. Every Wednesday night after the prayer meeting, any, anything different in the prayer meeting? No. Same deacons prayed the same prayers, entirely predictable. And, but she kept at it. Week after week, she had this real burden. And um, month after month, I think almost for a year, she prayed until one day her sister came home and said, guess what? We had a, a visiting speaker today, a man from America. I think his name was Moody. And the lady went pale and she, her lip trembled and said, don't bring me any lunch. Something's coming to the old church. And that night the spirit fell. And uh, when Moody saw her out, searched her out, she said that uh, she'd read an article in a magazine called The Watchman and it was by a man called Moody and it made her heart burn and she prayed that God would bring that man to her church and it was a God-inspired prayer and it was answered. I, I actually quite... I've given this illustration many times. I always get emotional because I think of this lady. Nobody knows about it except God and her. But God used her to bring revival. In 210, 2010, I should say, Joe and I travelled overseas. And as part of our itinerary, we visited the Isle of Lewis in the Outer Hebrides. Now, this is of particular interest to me because it's the location of an amazing revival that took place there in 1949 and extended for a few years. I don't know whether you've heard about it, but dramatic things happened during that revival, even the shaking of a house, like we read in Acts chapter 4 and other manifestations. A prominent evangelist in that revival was Duncan Campbell. He wrote, I believe this gracious movement of the Holy Spirit began in a prayer burden. Indeed, there's no doubt about that. It began in a small group who were really burdened. They entered into a covenant with God that they would give him no rest until he made Jerusalem a praise in the earth. Now, I got the information about this from Nicky Gumbel's book, The Heart of Revival. He writes, they waited, the months passed, nothing happened, until one young man rose to his feet and read from Psalm 24, who shall stand in his holy place? He that hath clean hands and a pure heart, he shall receive the blessing from the Lord. And he closed his Bible and spoke to the fellow prayers on their knees and said, look, it's so much humbug for us to be praying month after month if our hands 
are not clean and our hearts are not pure. I need to ask God, is my heart pure? Are my hands clean? And they prayed and they felt the awesome presence of God as they lay flat on their face in the straw for this, as God's presence was with him. They came to understand that revival is also related to holiness. A, a power was let loose that went from the centre of the parish to the circumference and into the neighbouring parish. Four miles away, there were two elderly ladies, one 86 bent over with arthritis, another 82 who was blind, and they had a vision of God, a vision of the church packed, particularly with young people. Um, the minister of that parish sent a letter to Duncan Campbell, the evangelist, asking him to come for a 10-day mission. And he said he was tied up for the rest of the year. Um, when the minister reported this to the ladies, I said, that's what man said. God has said otherwise. Mr Campbell will be here in a fortnight. The, 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 his convention was closed. He came to the island and went to the parish church. Um, the meeting began at 9pm and ended at 4am in the morning. The place was packed with people and there were people waiting outside. Nobody knew where they came from. But, but says, Nicky Gumbel tells us, that strong men trembled in the presence of God and fell prostrate on the floor, uh, calling out to God for mercy. After a while they couldn't hear Campbell speaking because they were crying out, God be merciful to me, a sinner. And... Um, this event. Now I tell you, the, the, the Isle of Lewis and the Hebrides is pretty bleak even in summer when we went, but this was in winter when this took place. But there was a great movement of God. Um, as people experienced the holiness of God, they began to see him in prayer. Um, there was such a sense of God that one businessman visiting the island said, when I stepped ashore I was suddenly conscious of God. God met with me and saved me. And let me explain that the church on Lewis was not a Pentecostal church. Um, we often associate uh, outpourings of the Spirit with Pentecostal churches or um, charismatic churches, and that's good, they often are. But uh, revival is, is, is a, an evangelical tradition long before the Pentecostal movement. And these were Gaelic-speaking uh, Calvinistic believers, but they believed in the power of the Spirit and they prayed for it. Now, could I just give you one more illustration uh, of the impact of prayer on the success of Christian ministry? Um, I'm not going too long, but I'm not going to be around for very long, so, <laughs> so I hope you don't mind. This comes from J.O. Fraser, who was a missionary in the China Yunnan Mission in the Yunnan province of China. He worked among the Lysu people. He experienced satanic opposition in the form of depression, which was overcome when he claimed the power of the blood of Jesus. He's told Satan to be gone, the name of Jesus, and he's released. So he knew the importance of prayer. He knew the importance of spiritual warfare and the power of prayer to overcome it. <coughs> he discovered the necessity of, prayer, necessity of prayer in his mission work. This is what he wrote. I find myself able to do little or nothing apart from God's going before me and working among men. Without this, I feel like a man who has his boat grounded in shallow water. Pull or push as he may, he will not be able to make his boat move more than a few inches. 
but let the tide come in and lift his boat off the bottom, then he will be able to move it as far as he pleases quite easily and without friction. It is indeed necessary for me to go around my lysuit, preaching, teaching, exhorting, rebuking, but the amount of progress made thereby depends entirely on the state of the spiritual tide in the village, a condition which you can control upon your knees as well as I can. And the same applies to outreach here. I mean, it's a good example, isn't it? Often Christian work is like trying to push a boat it's grounded and we're getting nowhere. You see, we need prayer. This is our great weapon. But unfortunately, it's often an unused weapon. Jesus did not say that this kind of demon came out by strategy or techniques or training or human talent or organisation or charismatic personalities or even by preaching. Now, these are important. But Jesus said this kind didn't come out only by prayer. Now, in 1959, we were blessed with the first Billy Graham crusade. Um, many thousands became Christians, and the churches were overflowed with new members. And that was a genuine experience of revival. At the commencement of the Australian crusade, the evangelist said, Australia, right now, <coughs> is the most prayed-for spot on earth. Probably more people are praying for this land today than have ever prayed for one place in the world's history. And the author of the book about the Crusaders, Barton Babbage, goes on to say, all over the globe, Christian people were seeking the blessing of God on Australia. Throughout America, England, Scotland, Europe, India, wherever the Billy Graham Crusades had taken the story of Christ's cross and resurrection, Christians old and young sought a similar and greater blessing on the lands of the Southern Cross. So the message I'm endeavouring to give today is a very simple message. There's a definite relationship between prayer and spiritual power. And I'm convinced that our greatest need is revival. That's what we need. If we want the greatest contribution we can make to our society is revival. It will uplift society. And uh, we need a fresh outpouring of God's Holy Spirit, and we need to pray for that. It's a sovereign work of God, but we need to pray for it. And, and these examples I've given you are supported by Scripture in many ways. Um, when persecution broke out in the early church and James was beheaded and Peter was put in prison, we read in Acts chapter 12, verse 5, so Peter was kept in prison, but the church was earnestly praying to God for him. And when was Peter was released in answer to prayer, he went to the home of Mary, mother of John Mark, which was probably in the middle of the night, and they were all there. They were all praying. They were praying day and night until the matter was resolved. That's all they could do. They couldn't you know, have a demonstration outside the jail or contact the local member or, or contact the media. But they were successful. You see, the trouble today is we have so many options for promoting the word of God. We have books on church growth, we have seminars and conferences that we can go to, and, and all these have their place. I'm not saying they don't, they do. But the Holy Spirit is given in answer to prayer. Now, when Jesus came down, he cast the demon out. You might say, well, you can't expect the disciples to do what Jesus can do. But you see, Jesus is the greatest example of somebody who prayed. In Luke chapter 5, verse 15, we read, 
yet the news about him spread all the more so that crowds of people came to hear him and to be healed of their sicknesses. But Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. In this matter of prayer, Jesus practised what he preached. C.H. Spurgeon has said, It is well said that asking is the rule of the kingdom. It is a rule that will never be altered in anybody's case. If the royal and divine Son of God cannot be exempted from the rule of asking that he may have, you and I cannot expect the rule to be relaxed in our favour. Luke 18 verse 1, Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them they should always pray and not give up. Luke 60 verse, Isaiah 62 verse 6, we have this word of exhortation and encouragement. I have posted watchmen on your walls, Jerusalem. <coughs> they will never be silent day and night. You who call on the Lord, give yourselves no rest and give him no rest. Give him no rest till he establishes Jerusalem and makes her the praise of the earth. Now this is a very provocative definition of prayer. It's saying it's pestering God. You don't give God any rest. You keep knocking on the door and persevering like the people in the barn at uh, Lewis did and like that lady who was at Edmund until God answers. That's what we are to do. We're to persevere. Now, demonic possession is a very extreme example of satanic opposition. But there are other situations that need to be approached with the weapon of prayer, such as when the church is in decline or stagnating, stagnating, or when Christians are lukewarm. It affects us all because we're all tempted. How do we deal with temptation? Jesus told us in the words to Peter in the Garden of Gethsemane, are you asleep? Couldn't you keep watch for one hour? Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. See, the time factor is important. Could you not keep watch for one hour? I mean, how much time do we spend looking at the tennis? Probably more than one hour. Or the cricket. I mean, it's not enough just to say the collect of the day and the Lord's Prayer, valuable as that is. We need to give time to this. We give time to other pursuits. Now, in this sermon, I've given examples of elderly women from old and their senior years who were instruments of revival and one who was an invalid. But they moved very powerfully in the realm of the spirit. And we must not retreat. Those of us who are older, and I'm, and I'm one of you, you see, I'm of such an age now that every opportunity to preach is a bonus for me. Because I don't know how many more opportunities I'm, I'm going to get. But uh, we need to leave a legacy for the younger people, the younger generation. We need to leave a legacy for them, a legacy of revival that will come as we give ourselves to prayer. And those who are younger, we've got to cultivate the practice of prayer and get into the habit of it while we're young in our earlier years. Let me, let me finish by quoting this prayer for revival in Isaiah 64, verses 1 and 2. Oh, that you would rend the heavens and come down, that the mountains would tremble before you, as when fire sets twigs ablaze and causes water to boil. Come down to make your name known to your enemies and cause the nations to quake before you. Amen.